Trust you had a great weekend and a great Lord's Day. Ready for some fresh Sojourner Pod Week. Let's kick it off with Meredith Monday. Meredith Monday, and um, I'm usually with Chris Kahi at this point. Uh, we uh, missed each other by accident, um, and so I'm just going to fill in. We are, just by the way, if you are tracking with that series that we're doing with his book, um, which is called two, A Tale of Two Adams, um, you can get that online. Just go look at some old episodes to see some details about that. If you wanted to pick that up, you can get it on Kindle. But anyways, Chris is graciously moving uh, with us through that book and taking us through it and just providing some discussion around it. Um, so we're halfway through chapter six of that. I think it was, um, uh, might have the chapters wrong, but it was on the covenant of grace. So the covenant of grace part two is where we left off. Um, and what we will do is on uh, the next Monday, I, you know, Lord willing, and if it all goes well, we'll kick it off from that and we'll just do that second part. So don't give up on that. We're coming back to that. Sorry for the break. Um, in the meantime, I thought, let me just quickly, uh, deal with a question that frequently comes up. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, Meredith Klein, um, had, uh, he wrote a book early on called by earth consigned and, um, and often this is compared to the book kingdom prologue, his later work. I believe they're, um, I can't remember the dates offhand, but I mean, you've got quite a long gap between them. I think it was something like 30 years uh, from the time the one got published to the time the other got published. And uh, they're often spoken to in terms of um, just a a kind of uh, early Klein, later Klein, because he did mature in his thinking at certain points, even so, you know, uh, actually, we probably even could say, um, I stand under, under correction here, but I think it's it's right that you could probably even think of the latest Klein uh, by the time you get to God, Heaven, and Armageddon. Um, and uh, if you're interested in that, uh, I know the Glory Cloud guys are, are uh, tracking through that book right now. So you can just jump on the Glory Cloud podcast and um, and just work through that book. And that will represent the latest, most mature uh, uh, point of Klein's thinking. Um, but yeah, he did. I mean, as any theologian, he sort of developed and I suppose just because of his ideas became so cutting edge and, um, at some levels controversial a little bit later on, um, the fact that he differed from his earlier work drew some attention. Um, you know, it's, it's not on its own, an amazing thing that he would change his mind or mature in his own formulation of covenant theology, but just again, because he, um, had so much influence, it, it sort of, um, uh, created a bit of a, a uh, splash or a ripple or whatever you want to call it. Um, so uh, with that in mind, I just, um, I, I thought I was just racking my brain as to how it's quite a big topic to, to cover how uh, Klein differs in his early work or at, uh, in that specific work by Oath Consigned um, in comparison with his later work. Um, one very, very helpful article that sort of reduces it. It's quite, I mean, it's not a short article, but it's, uh, it's, it's um, incredible in light of the material covered um, is uh, perhaps not surprisingly by Lee Irons. Um, and you can get that on Upper Register. Um, you Google something like, um, hang on, I've got it here one second. Let me just pull it up. Um, Meredith, well, yeah, Meredith Klein's By Earth Consigned Compared with Kingdom Prologue. There we go. Nice and logical title. Um, and uh, just read through that. It's a few 
maybe like know, 50 pages or something like that. And, um, and that gives you everything. So if you are interested in completely nerding out on that, uh, that would be great. That's great fodder right there. Um, what I'll do is just quickly take you through some basic um, things that continued and, and some of the things that come to mind for me, at least in terms of the early client, later client. Um, one of the things, I mean, in terms of, as, as Lee points out in that article, you've got a lot of continuities. So it's not like you, you, you've, you know, at, at, at the beginning, you don't want to, you don't want to, um, uh, you know, come across as if uh, Klein just chopped and changed and just, you know, reversed in on himself. That was not at all what happened. I mean, he's got basically the same thing going on. Um, it just, again, it, it gets sharpened, I think by the Murray debate, at least by the Norman Shepard controversy. And, um, as controversy does, it just tends to sharpen thinking on a certain topic. So I think probably because that came along, you have uh, the developments that you you see later on. He just didn't want to fall into traps that he or loopholes that he had seen he might have left open. Um, but in terms of a covenant and its definition, um, in terms of God's lordship, in terms of his general critique of, of John Murray, um, you have a basic sense of continuity. Um, everything is the same in all the, and so it's worth it, worth reading. Go read Bioth Consigned. Um, my, my big critique of Bioth Consigned um, has less to do with, with uh, um, not like a critique Klein with any sense of anything, any authority there, but, you know, my own reaction to what Klein was saying there is is more to do with being a Baptist than than anything um, to do with you know his later work. I I feel like it it forms a nice roundedness to his later work and and it's actually just helpful to see the way he developed there. Um, but you know he talks about and one of the big things he does is he um, he uh, wants to um, change his terminology, sharpens his terminology as he moves forward. Um, so instead of just you know like he'll talk about grace in some sense before the fall and and in some sense there is a you know he'll be in that general agreement with with those who talk about god's condescension uh, to reveal the covenant of works and that you know had man succeeded this would have been a gracious uh gift of god in some sense and so all of that is quite like I don't know, fuzzy now looking back on it because in light of the controversies that came up later, but obviously that that's one of the areas that he sharpens up on in that he's like, well, I'm going to define grace very technically. Um, and so this is kind of what we're going through on Mondays with, um, with Chris, but you know, grace is a demerited favor. Grace is something that really can't exist before the fall. It ends up being an oxymoron. Uh, you just can't, you can't have, uh, something that deals with sin before sin enters the picture. And and so he sharpens up on all of that, uh, much of which we've spoken about in Chris's book, but that, that happens later on. That's helpful to know. Um, so um, that's the one thing. The other big thing is that, um, as Lee points out in the article, you've got um, his, I thought this was super interesting, and I think it's a good thing what, what Klein does, but he goes from thinking of, um, a two covenant to a three, or th- yeah, two covenant to a three covenant structure. And I'm thinking now of theological covenants. So, in other words, the um, he would have the covenant of works, and then the covenant of grace and covenant of redemption kind of merged into one. Uh, which you know, it's kind of, it's interesting to me that he that he uh, did have that view. 
um, that tends to be a more Baptist thing. I can see how a lot of a lot of reform guys would have been irked at that. But anyways, uh, down the line, he he does um, move into the more traditional threefold um, theological covenant system, where you've got the covenant of works, the covenant of redemption the eternal covenant, in other words, and then you've got the covenant of grace, which is that temporal outworking. Uh, I agree with that threefold. I actually, I, f- I feel like I came to land on that in dealing with John Gill's merge and collapse of those two uh, when I was looking at that closely. So I'm happy that Klein ended up this way. And um, and so he doesn't want to see the eternal covenant as exactly the same as the covenant of grace in an outworking. And certainly that helps uh, pedobaptists in their argument, but I think it's just more correct. Uh, ultimately, it doesn't necessarily lead to a pedobaptist position, in my opinion. Um, but the other thing he did, as uh, Lee points out, is that he he um, sharpened up on his language. And you'll read this if you read Kingdom Prologue. Like I, I really love this. This is, I think, the thing that Klein just, you know. Hopefully, this won't sound too strange to you if you've um, been tracking with this Monday uh, slot for a while. Um, he basically added this very, very crystal clear um, uh, way of, of, of understanding those three covenants working together. Um, he would talk about, for example, the, um, and yes, basically Chris's chapters of his books, uh, of his book, uh, he would talk about the creator's covenant of works with Adam. So if you remember that a few episodes ago, we looked at that. Um, Rather than just call it a covenant of works, he wants to call it the creator's covenant of works with Adam, for short, covenant of works. Um, and then the father's covenant of works with the second Adam is the, is, the, is the redemptive covenant, the eternal covenant. So you can call it, by all means, call it pactum salutis, call it eternal covenant, call it redemptive covenant. But what we mean by that is the father's covenant of works with the second Adam. So I love that. I love, you know, it immediately shows the relationship between the covenant of works in the garden with Adam, and then that eternal covenant and how that all meshes together. Again, I'm relying on a lot of what we've talked about in the past episodes, so do go back and listen to that if you feel completely confused here. Um, And then finally, uh, you've got what he calls not just the covenant of grace, but the Lord's covenant of grace with the church. And the idea there is to distinguish that from the eternal covenant, which is the Father's covenant of works with the second Adam. So just saying it that way, and uh, if you want that, again, just go dig up uh, Lee, uh, Lee's article. It's all stated there nicely for you, and you have the Kingdom Prologue references and everything. Um, but that just saying it in that language and having those traditional categories in mind, I think is extremely helpful because it basically um, you know, shows how the whole system works together. Now, um, after that, um, you know, beyond the sharpening up of the, the terminology, one of the interesting things that I think um, uh, happens in his theology, as Lee again points out, and um, I, all I'm doing here is just working th- basically through um, Lee's article just to kind of give me a little, um, um, uh, what do you call it, like a little launch pad <laughs> or whatever. But he, uh, Lee talks about the priority of law in his theology. And uh, it's kind of funny because this is the one th- you fall in love with Klein on on this thing because he's the guy who pieces it all together on the law in that he's saying, listen, you've got this covenant of works in the garden, which was essentially a covenant of law. It does do this and live. Uh, We failed. And so the covenant of redemption is essentially another covenant of works 
uh, with the second Adam. So again, it's the do this and live. So you're seeing how law it has its priority. And, um, and just in saying those two things, you know, you can see how in the early client, if you've only got those two covenants, uh, the law has just a total priority. It's all just driven along by the engine of the law. It's only later when he starts to think about um, the covenant of grace as being a covenant where Christ is the Lord of that covenant rather than the covenant servant, and uh, therefore a separate um, category or separate, uh, a conceptual piece, I suppose, uh, is the best way to talk about it. Um, then, uh, you know, you start seeing, okay, well, there's actually a grace thing that works itself out uh, that doesn't quite have the same priority of the law. It's not that every covenant um, is uh, driven by the works principle, because the covenant of grace as a conceptual piece is actually not driven by the works principle. It is um, founded on the works principle. So the engine still remains, but now it is given by grace alone, which is another principle. And I think, um, if I'm not mistaken, I heard someone say, it might have even been in this article, I read it a while ago, but um, it, yeah, there's something that something to the effect that he had, um, he got stuck on the Noahic covenant, and uh, as an exegetical covenant, that just was not working with his great priority of the law because um, the Noahic covenant, of course, is unilateral apart from, very clearly apart from any works of the law there. It wasn't even driven by the engine of the law, and therefore he needed a, another definition or a way to incorporate that into his greatest system. And I think that's what kind of, if I'm not mistaken, that's what gave rise to him re-piecing the whole thing and and uh, just making this this grace category a separate thing. Um, still, still keeping that essential idea of drivenness by the law, the priority of the law in place. Uh, so the the reason we love Klein so much is still there, but it's just that it's it's more nuanced and uh, careful, and it allowed for a sharper distinction between law and gospel, or or just a, a more helpful, lucid distinction, perhaps we should say. Um, let me just see. My eyes are falling on the summary. Uh, does uh, Irons ask? Does the Klein of Kingdom Prologue still affirm the priority of the law? Uh, with respect to the Pactum Salutis and its implications for the justification of the elect on the basis of Christ's fulfillment of the law, yes. But with respect to the covenant of grace proper, he would not want to speak of the priority of the law if this means that the covenant of grace itself is actually a law covenant with blessings and curses, etc. So that's a great way to summarize what I've just said there. That is, um, you know, he starts to see that conceptual covenant as a, as a different thing. Um, founded on law, but properly conceived of as a covenant of grace, which was different. Um, so you have that, you have um, his, uh, what else? Um, let's just scroll down and see. Oh, and then you get into his circumcision and baptism stuff. I think, well, my, my perception of that was that it stayed more or less the same, which was basically the heartbeat of his system. Um, you know, as a pedo-baptist, which, you know, again, I've often said, of all the pedo-baptist positions and arguments I like the best, uh, if anything was ever going to win me over to this, it would be Klein. But, um, you know, essentially, I'm kind of in disagreement with all of that anyway. So it, for me, it, uh, well, actually, I'm not in disagreement with all of it. In fact, one of the best things about being a Baptist is reading Klein's, Klein's stuff, and you, you find yourself really agreeing with most of it, once you understand where he's going, you, okay, you feel some tentative, uh, maybe that's not where I want to go. But in general, I mean, it just adds substance to anything a Baptist is saying. Um, you know, certainly I, I wouldn't disagree 
with any of these ideas of redemptive judgment and the, the reality of uh, the, the covenant signs as being signs of judgment and uh, the way that that relates um, in terms of uh, Christ as the center. Uh, all of that is really, uh, you know, as a Baptist or a Pedro-Baptist, you can be deeply benefited from that. I would only, you know, my only argument is that you can only really apply that stuff as a Baptist in light of the New Testament language. But that's another debate, and I don't want to get too far down that now. But uh, Irons' article is really great on that, just giving you a big lowdown. If you, if you didn't really understand what, what Klein was arguing with pedobaptism, uh, it would be a great article to look at. Um, the other big thing that's really interesting, and I actually wanted to ask, been meaning to ask Chris about this forever, um, with the 1689 Federalist uh, stuff that's going on, um, you know, if anyone knows about that debate, which is kind of relevant for Baptists more than anyone else. Um, you know, they're arguing that the, the Abrahamic covenant is a covenant of works, not a covenant of grace or part of the covenant of grace. And, um, and you know, go back and forth on that. We covered that a while ago uh, on the podcast. But um, the thing to, um, the thing that's interesting here in terms of uh, what Klein does and the way he changes is that he used to actually see it as a, you know, together with this peace that he had, you know, this priority of the law, he would see the Abrahamic covenant as a, a covenant essentially of law. And um, and I don't think he meant that in the same way the 1689 Federalists do now, but it's interesting to see him mature on that. And basically it came down to where do you want to see the ratification of the Abrahamic covenant in Genesis 15 or Genesis 17? And um, if Genesis 15, then, I mean, there can be no doubt that it's by grace alone, because that is the very definition of what a gracious covenant is. Um, God swears the oath, essentially. God um, does it all. Whereas if you have a more um, Genesis 17, you know, Mosaic covenant, let the blood be upon our heads and that sort of thing. Uh, well, of course, your man, is, man is swearing the oath there. And... Um, and then you're in the realm of a covenant of work. So um, I, th- I think, if I'm not mistaken, uh, Klein just simply uh, shifted that to the priority. He, he saw that it would be wrong to, to take 17 uh, in Genesis and um, have it sort of annul or work away what has already happened in Genesis 15. Genesis 15 must be seen as the ratification of that covenant. And I would agree with him there. So and that kind of sets me a little bit at odds with some of the Reformed Baptists out there, but you know what? So be it. Um, anyway, that is a quick run through on um, on some of the differences. That's not all of them, um, but those are some of the big ones that come to mind for me. And I just have a quick scroll through um, through Lee's argument uh, through through Lee's article. I think we've covered most of the things I wanted to say there. Uh, I just wanted this to be a quick little um, uh, episode for you just so that we're filling in that Monday and uh, letting you know what's coming. Um, but if you're interested in more, please do go check that article out. It's um, it's really, really good. As with most of uh, Lee Eins's stuff, it's um, well worth the read. Meredith Klein's By Earth Consigned Compared with Kingdom Prologue. Get that on upperregister.com. Uh, that's Meredith Monday, and I'll see you tomorrow for Two Kingdom Tuesday. Until then, take it easy. Mm-hmm.